break. Hot pot. Hard. Hello again. So this is a little bit of a prelude to my whole story. It's something I hadn't included in my original writing, but I thought I'd do a little little uh, background explanation before we got into things. So um, I graduated from Susquehanna University in 1989. That's a, a university based in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, which is probably about you know 30 minutes away from where I grew up. So imagine that. I graduated before the 2000s, 1989. Seems so long ago. So after leaving college, I stuck myself in my girlfriend's life. She lived in Northport, Long Island, New York. I'm not really sure she was ready for that, but somehow it happened. Eva's a very wonderful person. Uh, Eva and I had a good relationship, but you know, I didn't know how to have a relationship that early in life. I'm very clingy. I hang on tight, way too tight. And I think I freaked her out at, at that young age. But it was cool, though. Eva's dad was from Greece. He's a first generation. And her mom was from Puerto Rico. And the combination made for a very beautiful daughter. Uh, her dad had routines. They were great, in my opinion. Uh, occasionally at 5.30, the women would serve us guys beer and olives on the porch overlooking the sound. It was pretty sweet. Not that I felt that good being waited on like that, but it was an experience. I obviously still remember it today. It was very different from anything I'd experienced before. Even I broke up and I left Long Island. I went to Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. I went to my aunt and uncle's house. Um, they'd been living on Hilton Head Island for a very long time. They, they were really locals. Um, so I worked on a boat with my uncle. Uh, he's a professional boat captain and a charter fisher. He's very well known in the area for his talents on the water. He took care of boats belonging to multi-millionaires. So that's what I was helping him with, you know, moving batteries and cleaning and such. I was still trying to get my first real job after school. So my uncle decided to get me closer to Atlanta. Uh, it was a good call. He got me a job at Turtle Records. I worked in distribution. I would take pick orders and fill boxes with albums, CDs, and tapes. Then I'd load them on the delivery trucks in the big warehouse. And occasionally I drove the delivery truck. But then I had a job interview, a real job interview from a listing I saw in a newspaper. You remember newspapers and job listings? Yeah. I'd been applying like crazy. There was a marketing job, field marketing, and I jumped on it. I had an interview with my future wife. Trish, can you believe it? <laughs> uh, she was flying back from her old home in England before she took up residence in California. Trish was born in northern England near Newcastle. She stopped in Atlanta to do some interviews for a new job the marketing firm she was with had available. These new positions were for a field marketing campaign at a military base near us. It turned out they were trying to hire for a menthol cigarette field marketing program handing out menthol cigarettes to bar attendees. They were looking for people of color, so I didn't qualify. You can't really say that out loud, but that's what they were up to. So I didn't get that job. But not long after that, I was interviewed for another cigarette promotion. We would sample Horizon cigarettes from R.J. Reynolds. I got this job and left for Augusta, Georgia for a few months. 
brief aside, this is what we did. We had six Mazda Miata vehicles that we would use for the promotion. We'd take two cars to every event. Believe it or not, we would light cigarettes in each car. We were showcasing the better smell of the Horizon cigarette. So one car would have a bunch of marbles burned in an ashtray, then the other car would have a bunch of Horizons from six or seven burning cigarettes. Our potential customers would line up to get their free pack of cigarettes and to see the Mazda. The cars were pretty much brand new in the area. So there was some excitement there. One or two people would get in the first car, the Marlboro car. I would press a remote control button and a tape would play, you are now sitting in the car that has been smoked with the competitor cigarettes. Note the smell. Then they would get in the second Miata where they would hear another message about the lack of scent from the Horizon cigarette. You could never do this today. Can you imagine putting someone in an enclosed space filled with smoke? Never. The company I joined was called Supermarketing, based in Irvine, California. They were growing rapidly, mainly on the need for tobacco companies to promote. In 2009, tobacco lost television advertising. They'd lost radio. They'd lost billboards. They lost everything. So sampling cigarettes in bars and nightclubs was really all that was left. Companies like Supermarketing jumped on the opportunity. There was a lot of money involved. What's the point of the story? Well, I ended up in California. After three months of managing models, handing out cigarettes, the company flew me to their headquarters to work up the final report. They put me up at a La Quinta hotel and I went to work. Little bragging, I did such a good job that they kept me they kept giving me more work in the office. After three They realized that uh, that they had not officially hired me for the office job, so they did. My friend Ann and I got an apartment in Corona del Mar. It was a studio above a garage. Many residents of CDM rented out part of their house you know, to make ends meet. I would end up staying in Newport Beach, uh, Corona del Mar is part of Newport Beach, for the next 25 years. I'd get married to Trish. We bought our first house on Borough Lane in Newport Beach. And then we had two boys right away. Elliot's only 14 months younger than Dan. And work was going great. At this point, I was a vice president. I knew how to make things happen with the internet and computers. This was really early, early on the computers. You know, 286s, 386s, 486s. I don't know if you remember those, but it was back in the dial-up era. So I was responsible for getting our building up on its first T1 internet connection. I built our first website. I had it running on a 486 Windows PC that sat on the floor. We were not sophisticated yet. We didn't have server racks and such. So then I learned how to publish live databases to the web. That was amazing. We would always collect marketing data when we ran a field marketing project. It was one element that made us stand out from the crowd. At that time we were pitching Intel to support their Pentium processor launch. They had our proposal. I kept working on the database and then I got it to work online. Our clients could visit a secure website and do queries on the data we collected. We sent the link to the decision makers at Intel who we got, immediately got the job. Then we used this technology to land iOmega, which at the time was a, the portable storage king uh, based in Salt Lake City. 
uh, we were on a roll. And then somewhere in all this, the owner of supermarketing started getting pretty weird. He was making a lot of money. So my theory is that as he got wealthier and wealthier, he thought it was also a measure of his business and marketing acumen. It wasn't. In a meeting at one of our largest clients, General Mills, he told a group of senior marketing executives that happened to be all women that they were a pack of menstruating bitches when they wouldn't listen to his great ideas for their brands. Can you believe that? They fired our company almost immediately. Because of his behavior, we also lost another big client. It was time to take action to save the company. My wife, Trish, who was president, our CFO, one of our sales vice presidents, and one of our operations VPs took over the company. They walked the old owner out. Why wasn't I involved? I was just a consultant at this point. I had tried to start my own internet tech company. It didn't work out. That's uh, quite the story, maybe for another time. But back to my tech side. The sudden visibility of the live data reporting website got the attention of a few larger marketing firms. One was called Mosaic Group out of Toronto, Ontario. Ontario, excuse me. They bought us. We were now part of a multinational marketing firm that generated $750 million annually. We were in Europe, South America, and the U.S. It was exciting. Because of my technical skills, I was made the co-manager of North American Information Technology. A vice president of IT in a $750 million enterprise. I was only 27 years old. Things were going great. I felt like I was on top of the world. Somewhere in all this, we moved to one of the best neighborhoods for the kids in Newport Beach, the Port Streets. There's an elementary school right in the middle of the community that consistently had the highest test scores in the state. The parents in the area supported this school like you wouldn't believe. So people wanted to raise their kids here. They really did. So we bought a much bigger house and we raised the boys. I coached soccer for years. From the first time they put on their uniforms until they stopped playing at about high school age, I coached an AYSO Plus team for the last two years. It was a blast. I love that part of my life. Then we bought the neighbor's house, a huge 6,000 square foot white home with black shutters. It was amazing. The neighbor was moving back to Connecticut, and my wife happened to be talking to him right after he made the decision to move. She closed the deal immediately on the driveway. Can you believe that? It was a good move financially. That house would appreciate in value quickly. My boys had a really good upbringing. The schools were great. The neighborhood was amazing. There were so many nice people that became really good friends. My wife and I were not that close. We didn't do that much together, short of going for a lunch, some drinks, and then a movie on Sunday occasionally. It wasn't her fault. It was both of us. We just didn't sink on many things. Funny story, uh, one Mother's Day, my friend Brian and I set out before dawn, as usual, on our mountain bikes to get a quick ride in. As we were coming out of the El Moro Park, we saw a small trail that the rangers had covered with branches. It was an illegal trail. They, they were trying to get rid of it. We decided to check it out. It was amazing. We rode for another two hours that day. This obviously cut into Mother's Day. She was really mad. So you, you can see how we interacted a little bit. I've never been certain what she wanted in this relationship. I know she wanted children, 
and we had those. But after that contribution of the effort, I felt a little bit like a third wheel. But I had my routines, and I worked out every day. My favorite routine, on Sunday, I would wake up around 5.30 or so, as usual. I'd take care of the dogs. Then I'd start cleaning. I would start on the first floor and would clean almost every inch of that house. After everyone woke up, I'd start on the second floor. It would usually take me until about 1 o'clock or so to finish. I'd shower, go to the Gelson's grocery store. I'd buy what I needed for the week and for a big Sunday dinner. Uh, I'd get home and usually start cooking right away. I always made a big Sunday meal. It was fun. Steak and lobster, big salads. Very free, frequently Italian. Uh, those were some of my favorite days ever. A super clean house and a great meal that I had made from scratch. The boys eventually graduated from Corona Del Mar High School and went on to college. So I think that catches us up on the rest of this story about Dan and the rest of us. So my next episode is about the Dan chapter. Uh, we'll talk about that. California. California. Leaving you behind. Leaving you behind. Heartbreak. Heartbreak.